Welcome to the Partcast, episode 12, Organizational Trauma. The Partcast is a weekly series that brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archive. I'm your host, Matt Hollingshead. This podcast provides practitioners and decision makers with an understanding of organizational trauma, its impact upon practitioners, and key points from the literature for mitigating its effects. Trauma in Child Welfare Trauma occurs when a person experiences an event that is outside of what would be considered the usual human experience. Human self-defense systems become overwhelmed when no action to resist or escape an event is possible. Even as a traumatic experience fades into the past, its symptoms often persist and tend to become disconnected from their source. In individuals, these symptoms may include a reliving of traumatic events without resolution, persistent experiences of terror, rage, and helplessness, and difficulty maintaining close relationships. Trauma within the child welfare sector and other human services is typically discussed in terms of burnout, also described as compassion fatigue, and vicarious trauma. Although not necessarily a response to traumatic events, burnout refers to a process of disengagement marked by emotional exhaustion, detachment from clients and ideals, and reduced feelings of personal accomplishment and professional commitment. Vicarious trauma describes a transformation of the emotional and psychological experiences that occur within professionals and others as a result of repeated empathic engagement with traumatic experiences and memories. The symptoms of vicarious trauma can resemble post-traumatic stress reactions and may include flashbacks, nightmares, obsessive thoughts, numbing, and disassociation. Vicarious trauma can profoundly impact an individual's fundamental sense of identity and self. Despite connections between burnout and vicarious trauma, the two are thought to be distinct concepts. How is personal trauma different from organizational trauma? Although trauma is usually thought of as an individual experience, it can also be felt and shared collectively. As caregiving organizations, child welfare agencies provide services directly to people who require support to deal with very complex issues. Often, these issues stem from or have led to traumatic experiences that must be addressed. Child welfare practitioners may also personally experience trauma as a direct result of their work. As the practitioners and professionals who make up an organization engage with each other in the course of their work, they communicate not simply information, but emotional experiences. Organizations are a channel through which trauma is exchanged and in a sense, vicarious trauma emerges as an unavoidable occupational hazard. Types of Organizational Trauma Direct Acute Trauma Traumatic events that occur within the boundaries of an organization and its work. Although relatively few individuals may be directly affected, their trauma radiates to other members of the organization. Examples include a staff member who commits suicide, a young person who is stabbed during a group, or a child who dies while in care. Direct Chronic Trauma Subtle patterns of events, which are not necessarily violent or explosive in nature. 
Over time, the effects of these events accumulate and may have traumatic effects upon practitioners and staff. Feelings of helplessness and fear may emerge over time. Examples include Practitioners are spat on and verbally harassed by frightened and overwhelmed parents. A colleague is the focus of an ongoing inquiry or inquest. Persistent exposure to negative representations of child welfare practitioners in the media. Vicarious trauma. Secondary trauma and stress that primarily affects practitioners who engage directly with the emotional pain and trauma of clients. The effects of vicarious trauma can rival the post-traumatic stress experienced by clients themselves. The Effects of Organizational Trauma Just as it can be difficult for individuals to free themselves from the effects of traumatic experiences, it has been suggested that organizations are prevented from effectively learning or evolving when they are affected by widespread and unacknowledged trauma. For example, Hypervigilance can lead to event-driven policies and procedures intended to demonstrate that an event is being taken seriously rather than addressing the more complicated root issues. Although the functioning of a group or organization may be affected by trauma, each individual within the group will be affected differently. In child welfare organizations, it has been suggested that supervisors and younger practitioners are both particularly susceptible to the effects of trauma. Supervisors are more likely to have been personally involved in directly traumatic events such as child deaths and subsequent inquiries. On the other hand, it is believed that younger practitioners have had fewer opportunities to develop the strategies required to address traumatic events. Studies have also suggested that while a history of trauma can cause vulnerability, the impact of exposure to a specific trauma is related more to an individual's perception than to the severity or amount of exposures to traumatic situations. The effects and symptoms of organizational trauma will manifest themselves in the ways that individuals communicate and engage with one another. However, these symptoms can take on a life of their own and may or may not be easily or directly connected to the trauma itself. Addressing Organizational Trauma Practitioners affected by work-related traumas are often more traumatized by the reviews and inquiries that follow than by the events themselves. This finding points to the role that organizations play in mediating or magnifying the impact of traumatic experiences. Trauma-informed organizations and services grow from a sensitivity to the realities of the traumatic experiences that impact the lives of all people, regardless of their roles in various service systems. Organizations should be able to clearly express why direct and vicarious traumas are a regular aspect of the helping practice. It may also be helpful for organizations to acknowledge the complexity and uncertainty of the child welfare system and that tragic events cannot be accurately predicted. In addition to ensuring that there is an open, organization-wide understanding of acknowledged trauma, careful consideration should be given to official responses to traumatic events that take place within the boundaries of an organization's operations. The procedures and processes that are implemented as a result of a traumatic event or episode become its legacies and can become reminders of the trauma itself. Acknowledging Cultures of Trauma Organizations that provide services to victims of trauma have a practical and ethical responsibility to address the likelihood that members of their staff will be exposed to various forms of trauma during the course of their regular work. Silence around the sources and effects of trauma creates barriers to addressing underlying issues and diverts energy away from promoting good health. The following measures are suggested in the literature. 
Organizations can encourage practitioners to openly express the impacts and effects of vicarious trauma as a part of their work. Organizational leaders need to frame and discuss trauma as a shared aspect of the organizational culture, not as a series of isolated individual problems. This recognition will help to build trust among staff, a crucial element when addressing trauma. Build acceptance of the presence of vicarious trauma into the culture through conversations that begin before hiring. Target new employees for support and education, as they are often less able to deal with the effects of trauma. Individual practitioners retain a great deal of control over how they implement the procedures of the child welfare system. Organizations can take care to highlight and promote opportunities for practitioners to actively take part in meaningful decision-making processes. Opportunities for practitioners and other staff members to openly and professionally discuss trauma can be encouraged in conversations with supervisors, coworkers, and team members. Sometimes, one individual can be seen as a scapegoat for the organizational dynamics that arise following traumatic experiences. While firing such people may seem like an easy way to solve visible problems within an organization, such straightforward action may not necessarily address the underlying issues resulting from a trauma. Diversity of work and self-improvement. Some studies have noted that exposure to trauma can be mediated by ensuring that opportunities to engage in different kinds of work are made available. In addition to creating mechanisms for practitioners to participate in decision-making processes that impact organizational functioning, providing a diversity of practice opportunities for practitioners and other employees can be helpful. Opportunities to shape policy and community well-being through education, outreach, and organizing can foster energizing senses of hope, empowerment, and self-efficacy that may contribute to overall perceptions of well-being. Providing self-improvement and professional development opportunities for practitioners further signals that the organization is committed to their well-being. Structured Support Supportive organizations enable the growth of valuable informal support systems between practitioners and teams. However, informal supports have their limits. Colleagues can contribute to the stress of their peers as much as they can offer support. For example, during periods of high stress, such as during inquests or media scrutiny, staff members may lack the energy to effectively support one another. Such times can also lead staff members to shift perceived blame to gain some relief. The following strategies can help organizations to develop systems of consistent, structured support. Kahn suggests that organizations should work from the principle of moving towards the anxieties associated with traumatic events. Public venues for addressing discomfort allow staff members to express emotions such as anger, sadness, or guilt. From these difficult discussions, staff members may be better able to address similar situations in the future. Regularly scheduled peer support groups can allow colleagues to clarify one another's experiences, offer perspective, and minimize the sense of isolation that can accompany traumatic experiences. Such groups may be led by peers or professionals and can take a variety of shapes based on the organizational context. However, professionally-oriented trauma groups also present a number of challenges, including the potential to amplify existing conflicts or problematic power dynamics, contribute to re-traumatization, or provide a venue for traumatic reenactment. 
A 2009 study indicates that organizations should develop well-being interventions that target employees who are exhibiting signs of burnout or post-traumatic stress, as well as those dealing with mental health issues that may make them more susceptible to the effects of trauma. The authors note that such interventions should build on personal strengths. The Children's Aid Society of Toronto provides immediate referral to a peer support team debriefing session for staff, foster parents, and volunteers who have experienced one of the following events. The death of a child or parent on an active case, assault, threats, staff, foster parent, or volunteer work-related deaths, a major disaster, an inquest, a lawsuit, and other incidents requiring immediate attention. The program operates on the values of confidentiality, timeliness, user-friendly service, voluntary participation, and separation from other internal or external review processes. A 2001 evaluation of the peer support team program found that it was very helpful to 75% of surveyed recipients with promptness, flexibility, time to process the event, and the opportunity for education cited as the most helpful features. Clinical Supervision The potential for supervisors to address organizational trauma can be overlooked despite their pivotal role in maintaining organizational cultures and the potential that clinical supervision has to address direct and vicarious trauma. Clinical supervision can provide practitioners with focused time to unpack their exposures to occupational traumas, to understand their place within the organizational system, and to build on strengths that can contribute to solutions for individual practitioners and for the organization as a whole. While the simple availability of supervision cannot automatically help practitioners to constructively engage with traumatic experiences, a practitioner's perception of the quality of available supervision has been shown to have a protective effect. Organizational cultures must empower supervisors to address traumatic experiences during supervision sessions and encourage practitioners to use that support once it is available. Three key summary points. One. Direct and vicarious experiences of trauma are unavoidable aspects of child welfare practice. Within organizations, these traumatic experiences can be transmitted between employees, regardless of the sources of traumatic experiences themselves. 2. Unacknowledged organizational traumas can present serious barriers to organizational change and improvement. 3. Organizations are in a strong position to provide support to employees using strategies including opportunities for a diversity of work and clinical supervision. You've been listening to the podcast, episode 12, Organizational Trauma. The Parkcast is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about this episode's topic, the Parkcast, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ParkEIP. That's P-A-R-T-E-I-P. Thanks for listening.